Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Praise the Lord. Turn with me in your Bible today. Glory to God. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We're continuing uh, today in our series on the temple of God. And we have some wonderful things to talk about today as we explore this blessed, wonderful truth in more detail. Without going into all of the things we've covered in the past, we'll just go straight to verse number 16. He said, do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, we pointed out earlier that this, if you look at the context, this is talking about the collective body. And then he was talking to, writing to a local church. So this applies most especially to the local churches today, this church or any other local church. And uh, we know that our bodies, like I mentioned just a moment ago in prayer, our bodies, each one of us, are the temple of the Holy Spirit. He lives in me and he lives in you if you're a Christian, if you're born again. But then the thing that we're emphasizing in this study is a truth that is largely overlooked in the body of Christ, very, uh, very understood in only a very limited way, that he inhabits not only our bodies, he not only lives in you and me individually, when we come together in the name of the Lord, he inhabits and lives in us collectively in a unique way, not, not so much a different way than he does in you individually, but uniquely or especially in, 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 another, uh, in another dimension, you might say, or, or in, in another equal reality, he lives among us and in us. This brick and mortar building is not the temple of God, neither is it the church. Right. We are the church yeah. We are the temple of God. We know the universal body of Christ is the temple of God, but the local church is the local temple of God. And the one down the street, if, if, I mean, Christian churches, you understand what I'm saying? They're the temple of God in that congregation. We're the temple of God here. And he inhabits us. Well, he doesn't just inhabit us for no reason. So we want to get into those reasons today. I want to read verse number 16 from the Amplified Version, uh, the Amplified uh, uh, this, they call it a translation. Most translations today are, are really not translations. Most translations today that call themselves translations are paraphrases. Or like in the Amplified Version, it's like its name implies, it takes the Scriptures and amplifies it and adds a lot of words and, 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 and statements that really aren't in the text, but it does that to bring out the meaning of the words that are there. And sometimes, you know, it's helpful to use more words to describe one word because you might not get the import or the impact or the, or the full force of just one word because we use them so casually. And so some of these translations that they, well, they call them translations. I don't, they call them, paraphr I call them paraphrases. They take words and then they add words to it that aren't in the text. You say, well, is that important? Well, it is to me because God, the, the Bible says that the scriptures are inspired. They're God-breathed. And so I want to know when somebody's adding an additional word 
other than what God said. Sometimes it's very helpful. I use all of these, all of these paraphrases. I use them. They're helpful. But it's important to know what God said. Because without that, without having that standard, you really have no foundation to go back to. Okay, that's another subject. I'll just throw that in. Won't even charge you anything for that little mini sermon today. Verse number 16 in the Amplified Bible says, Do you not discern and understand that you, the whole church at Corinth, well, it'd be true of the whole church here, the whole church, the whole impact church, you are God's temple, his sanctuary. Do you not know that? And do you not discern and understand that God's spirit has his permanent dwelling in you to be at home in you collectively as a church? Now, this, this, this translation also says, and also individually, but those words aren't there. He's just adding that. But he's talking about, if you look at the context, he's talking about us as a church. If you go over to, this is the third chapter, if you go to the sixth chapter, Paul said, do you not discern that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? Well, that's talking about your physical body. This is talking about the church. Amen? Do you not discern and understand that you, the whole church at Impact, are God's temple, his sanctuary, and that God's spirit has his permanent dwelling in you to be at home in you? Ooh, glory to God. Well, praise the Lord. There's more in that. We're going to dig it out. Amen. Go with me over to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians, the second chapter. There's some nuggets in here, folks. Amen. Hallelujah. Just to give, just to give some context and the flow to the chapter, I, we're going to focus on uh, verse 21 and 22, but let's start in verse number 11. And, and, and if I can, just sort of quickly, you know, uh, bring this into context so we'll get the flow of what the apostle by the Spirit was saying to the church there at Ephesus and to the church here at Impact. He said in verse number 11, Therefore remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, the, the church at Ephesus was primarily made up of former, for, former, Sounded strange. Former pagans. They were, they were most likely worshipers of the goddess Diana. You remember the story how Paul went in there in the book of Acts and the whole city was given to the worship of this, of this idol and how many people turned to the Lord and, and over a period of just a, a, a few years, I think it was three years, it's the, the, the entire, not just the city, but the whole region had experienced such a move of God that the, the worship of, of, the, uh, of the goddess Diana had gone into to, uh, to, to, uh, uh, ill repute or, or had been left off to where they were concerned. The people who made the money, you know, from the shrines and all that made the money off of that, they were con concerned they were going to lose their livelihood because nobody was going to the temple anymore. They were all worshiping Jesus. So that's what he's talking about. He said, therefore remember that you once... Gentiles in the flesh. Now notice what he's talking about. He's talking now, he's about to talk about how the Jews related to these former Gentiles. Who are called uncircumcision by what, by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands. That at that time you were without Christ. Now notice, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise. He said, at that time when you were Gentiles, before you were saved, 
you were without Christ, but not only that, you were, you were in, addition to that, in addition to that, you were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. You didn't even belong to Israel. You weren't, you weren't even a citizen of Israel. The word common, uh, commonwealth there, one translation of that could be citizenry. Being aliens from the citizenry of Israel and strangers, that word strangers means aliens. There's a lot of controversy in our world today about illegal aliens. And somebody says, oh, we dare not call them illegal aliens. They're undocumented, uh, undocumented workers. No, they're illegal aliens. I said they're illegal aliens. If they're here illegally, God referred to people who, weren't un, who didn't have citizenship in Israel as aliens. Did he not? Can you read? Are you okay? Praise God. Being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Because they were outside the covenants of promise, the covenants of promise didn't belong to them. Well, praise the Lord. Could meddle here, but anyway. <laughs> but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Oh, can you say hallelujah? For he himself, Christ, is our peace who has made both one. Now the both he's referring to is Gentile and Jew. The commonwealth of Israel that, that you didn't belong to and, 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 your, and your former Gentile status. He said God, Jesus himself, is our peace who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation having abolished in his flesh the enmity, the hatred, that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. Now the new man there isn't the individual new creation in Christ. You know, if you're in Christ, you're a new man. Isn't that right? That's not the new man he's talking about here. The new man he's referring to here is the church. From the two, Jew and Gentile, he broke down the middle wall of separation and from the two made one new man from the two, thus making peace. The new man here is the new creation church. Yes, I'm a new creation in Christ, but the church is a new man. Hallelujah. God took Jew and Gentile, brought them together in, him, in, in Christ and made one new man. Glory to God. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ that he might reconcile them both to God, Jew and Gentile, in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he, came pre and he came and preached peace to you who were far off and to those who were near. He's talking about the Gentiles who were far off, far off and the Gentiles who were near. They were near, but they weren't close enough. Amen that he might re reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and to those who were near. For through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Oh, glory to God. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners. 
You are no longer aliens. You are no longer illegals, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Oh, hallelujah. You were once outcast, but you're not any longer. You are no longer strangers and foreigners. You're fellow citizens with the saints, members of the household of God. Now notice, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Now I want you to, to let that, that thought resonate for just a minute. I want you just to kind of put it in your mind because we're going to come back to this idea. He said Jesus Christ himself is the chief cornerstone. Of what? Of the household of God, of the church, having been, notice verse 20, having been built. We're members of the household of God, the temple of God, the church, having been built. So uh, uh, you build a house, you build a, 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 a structure, you lay a foundation. Well, Jesus is the foundation. And it talks here about part of the foundation uh, being the apostles and prophets. That's the apostles and prophets that were in uh, the first century here, the foundational prophets and, and apostles. They laid the foundation, but Jesus is the chief cornerstone. They laid it through the preaching and teaching of the word. Jesus became the chief cornerstone by laying down his life. And the church, this building that he's talking about, is built then, built up, upon the apostles and prophets, but then Jesus being the chief cornerstone. And then he says, in whom the whole body being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. That's talking about the church universal. And it says that it, 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 it describes it as the whole body being fitted together. Or the whole, excuse me, the whole building being fitted together. Literally, in the original Greek, it says every building being fitted together. Every building would be the local churches because every local church is the temple of God. And we'll see this. We can see how this plays out in the next verse. In whom every building, or like the uh, ASV translation says, each several building in whom each several building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. That holy temple in the Lord is the universal church. Like I said last Sunday, God is fitting local churches together. He's not pitting local churches against one another. Amen. So we need to be very careful about how we treat other churches, church members, and other church bodies and so forth because they're all part of the, of the greater church of God, the greater universal church. We're all brothers and sisters, and we need to treat each other honorably and with respect. Isn't that right? In whom each several building being fitted together by the Lord grows into a holy temple in the Lord. Now, now the next verse, there's, there's a turn here. The, the next verse pivots right here. This, the thought pivots in the first few words of verse 22. He says, in him you also. So he's talking about the universal church, but then he brings it down to the, to the people there at Ephesus, to that local church. He says, in him or in whom, 
Or you could remember this. This will. This is not really my subject, but this will always help you, no matter what you're studying, no matter what the the topic is when you're studying the New Testament. When you when you come across the expression "in Him," or or "in whom," or so forth, always in your mind read it this way because this is what it really means: in union with Him, in union with Him, you also are being built, you also, the local church, are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. What is God doing today? God is doing, what he's doing is he's building strong local churches. He's building strong local churches. The reason it's still going on is because there are more churches yet to be, to be birthed. There are more churches yet to come up. Why? Because there, because there are more believers yet to come into the, to the family of God. And when a believer comes into the family of God, then he instructs them, instructs them, leads and directs them to go join themselves to a local church. That's always the will of God. Without exception, get involved in a local church. That's God's way. The local church is God's provision for the, for the Christian, for the believer, for their care and upkeep and so forth. I read a book years ago, and it was a, it was a really good book on the local church, but the, but the author made this statement, and for a long time it just sounded really good. But the more I've, I've understood about the church, I, I have to flip his, his reasoning on, on its ears. He made this statement about the universal church and the local church. He said the local church was established to illustrate or to put light on the universal church. That, that, that God put the local church here to reveal the universal church to us. Well, that makes the universal church the, the, uh, the main focus, doesn't it? But if what I found out with, as I went through the Bible over the years and as I learned more, by a four to one ratio, every time the, the church is mentioned in the New Testament by four to one, the reference is to the local church, not the universal church. Now, the universal church is revealed more fully in the book of Ephesians than any other book in the New Testament. Second, maybe to Colossians, but, but more, more than in any other book in the New Testament, the, the book of Ephesians brings out the beauty of the universal church. But like I said, if you look at all the references in the New Testament, by four to one, the, the emphasis is on the local church. See, this, this, this author was saying that, that the local church is a microcosm of the universal church. Matter of fact, I think he might have said that. The local church is a microcosm of the universal church. I don't know that it would be too much of a stretch to turn that around. I believe that it might be the universal church is a macrocosm of the local church because the local church is where the emphasis is. I think it's quite possible that the universal church is given to us to help us understand the local church. Here's why, and I'll get into this. I'll develop this a little more in a few minutes. In the local church, we have, I'm getting way ahead of myself, but it'll fit right now. In the local church, we have an inherent uh, problem because of our humanity of relating to one another in the flesh, in the natural. Because it, our, our human existence 
You know, we, we live in, in a natural world and we walk in, we see one another and it's, hey, brother, I, I, I like your tie. And sister, oh, what a beautiful pair of shoes. Where did you get those? Oh, I got them on sale. Oh, your did you get a new hairdo? Oh, I love your new car. Your car oh, that is a sweet ride. Yeah, I just got that yesterday. What about them gators, all right? <laughs> there are so many natural things and there's nothing at all wrong with that. But it's, it's a labor for us to get our eyes off the natural and to see that when we come together, we're not just a natural body of people who have a lot of natural things in common. Listen, God's not, he doesn't care what you drive. Now, you might care what you drive, because if you, if, you, if you buy a car and two years later it's broken down on the side of the highway, God's not the one out there hitching for a ride. You are. Isn't that right? So it matters to us what we do. I heard somebody years ago, they made this ridiculous statement. It's a word of faith per person. And this lady said, she's a member of our church, but she's not anymore, but she made this statement. She said, I really don't believe God, God wants everybody to drive a Mercedes. Because the big deal back then, Mercedes was like the, you know, the, the go-to prosperity vehicle, you know. And back in the 80s, you know, if you were prosperous, you had to have a Mercedes Benz. And, uh, and she was just coming. She said, I just don't believe God, God wants everybody to have a Mercedes. The fact of the matter is, God really doesn't care what you drive. God's not impressed with your ride. He's not impressed. He's not offended with what you ride. You could drive the most expensive automobile made in the world and it wouldn't matter to God. Now, it might not be wisdom for you <laughs> to finance your whole future, mortgage your whole future, I meant to say, but God doesn't care. He doesn't care what, you, what your wardrobe looks like. He doesn't care how much money's in the bank. He doesn't really care whether you got a new haircut. He's not interested in natural things except to the degree that he says, I'll give you the desires of your heart. And if you want an expensive car, he'll, he'll let you have one. If you'll believe him and you'll, and you'll do the other things that you need to do to keep your faith working, you can have as expensive a car as your little heart desires. God is not a fit God. The pavement in heaven is gold. It's the equivalent of our asphalt is gold. Okay, so God's not impressed or offended or anything with, with how much money you have or what you want to spend. Well, I just can't understand somebody spend that much money on a, on a tie. I've had people comment about my tie. Oh, I'd never spend that kind of money on a tie. Well, it's not your money. Don't spend it. If I want to spend $250 on a tie, I'll spend $250 on a tie. It's not your money, it's my money. And God doesn't care. I don't know that I've ever spent that much, but what? Thank God, she said. Doesn't bother God, but it. Where, where did I get off here? Hallelujah. We relate to the natural world just automatically. And when we come together, the, the real 
the real uh, uh, creme de la creme, the real meat of the matter is relating to one another spiritually. Amen? It says over in Hebrews that we've come to Zion, the city of the living God, to an innumerable company of angels, to the church of the firstborn. Then it goes on to say, the spirits of righteous men made perfect. Well, I, I, getting back to my thought, I, I, don't, I don't know but what the universal church, that whole creation, that whole concept was given to help us understand the natural church or, the, or the, the, the local church, I mean, because the thing is, the universal church, you can't relate to it naturally. You cannot. Have you ever seen the universal church? When you go down the street, you in your automobile, somebody pull, you pull up at a, at a traffic light, somebody pulls up beside you, they might be a born-again Christian. You wouldn't know it. You don't even know them. They're part of the universal church, but you don't know it. The universal church is invisible. The only way you can relate to the universal church is in the spirit. You know that brothers and sisters, uh, that Christians are your brothers and sisters, and that's the only way you can relate to Jesus because you don't have him here in the flesh. Isn't that right? He's not here physically, but he's here in our hearts. He is, he is, we are in him and he is uh, in us and we're one together in the spirit. And I, and I don't doubt that the universal church, that concept, we, we understand that because we have to relate to one another in the spirit when talking about the universal church. We need to learn that lesson in the local church. Praise the Lord. In whom, verse 21, each several building being fitted together grows into a holy temple of the Lord. In him you also are being built together for a dwelling place in the Spirit. Let me read, you, read to you a, another translation that helps see that he's making that, dis, that distinction. I'm not just making that up. The Canterbury's translation says this in verse 22. It says, in, and in him, not only others, but you also are built up together. Did you get that? Not only others, talking about the universal church, but you also, the church at Ephesus. Not only others, but you also are built up together to be a dwelling place of God in the spirit. He goes, the, the, Connie, Berry, the Connie, Connie Berry goes on to say, to make a house wherein God may dwell by the presence of his spirit. The reason for the, well, there, there are several reasons. I don't want to just, you know, put it all on one thing. There are other reasons, but a very important, very central reason for the local church, or I could say purpose in the local church, is God is wanting to raise up and build up a house, a spiritual house, that he may dwell in by his in his by his the presence of his spirit. And when we come in, it, it absolutely matters what our attention is on. Let me let me propose a, a, a hypothetical. Do you suppose an individual? Now we all know that we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit as Christians. He lives on the inside. Do you suppose someone who gets up in the morning, let's say person A, believer A, he gets up in the morning and he's, he, he does his devotional time, reads his Bible, prays, and, and gets in the presence of God, and he, 
he practices that presence all day long. In other words, he's, he's constantly, he makes himself think of the Lord and reflect on the Lord throughout his day. He just calls to remembrance how good God is and he's aware of God's presence, uh, you know, throughout the day. Then you have Christian B who gets up in the morning, you know, runs a comb through his hair and jumps in the car and drives to the office, you know, at, at, at faster than he should and, and he gets behind the desk or out on the job and he doesn't pray like he should. And he doesn't think about it. The only time he thinks about God is if something happens to him. You know, his hammer head falls off or, you know, or something happens and he gets fired or something, you know. Oh, God, you know, suddenly he wants God in his life. But other times he's not even thinking about God. Do you suppose person A would have a greater uh, uh, opportunity or a greater uh, likelihood of growing and, and being God's, in God's will and accomplishing God's plan for his life or, or person B, per se, person A, isn't that right? Well, by the same token, a local church, if it's, in, if, it's, if it's composed of more believers who are conscious when, when they come together that God is especially among us. He's not only in me, he's, he inhabits us corporately. The believers who are more conscious of that, if you have more of them in the church, wouldn't you think that that church then would be able to flow more and get further into the plan of God for that church than the church that never thinks about it? That's why we're thinking about it. Amen. Amen. He wants to take us higher. And he is taking us higher. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. Now, let me, let me make this point before I go further. In whom you also are being built together. Conterbury's translation, let me read that again. And in him, not only others, but you also are built up together. I don't like to overuse this tactic, but everybody say the word together. Together. To make a house wherein God may dwell by the presence of his spirit. The, regular, uh, the, the New King James says, in whom you also are being built together. Notice you aren't being built apart. You're being built together. See, that, that also resonates with the idea that he's talking about the local church because the universal church is scattered everywhere. But he says, in him, you, you, you Christians at Ephesus, you also are being built together. And see, there's a, the, the reason I'm emphasizing this uh, truth last week and maybe the week before and again this week uh, about people who believe they don't have to go to a local church. They can just do their own thing. The reason I'm, I'm dealing with this is that it's, be, it's, it's a growing problem. There, is a, there, there are people who are moving more and more today in this idea that you don't have to go to church. These things come, these uh, uh, false teachings and things you know, kind of ebb and flow through the church. It's nothing new. But every few years, you know, it kind of resurges and, and, and people start believing this stuff. And there's always been people who have had the idea that you don't have to go to a local church. I've heard people say, I don't believe in organized religion. Well, you don't believe in God because he organized religion. <laughs> Did you ever read the Old Testament? Pretty organized. Huh? 
He organized the church. He set apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Uh, he set the members in the body. He, he, he organized it. So to say, I don't believe in organized religion is just a saying. It's just a saying. And, and to certain people of a certain mindset, it sort of resonates because they don't like anything, you know, that, that is orderly. So there are a lot of people today that believe, well, I don't believe in the local church. You know, I, I mean, it's okay, but I believe I can just go to church when I want to. I don't have to belong to a, church, a local church and just go here or there. there, there I, 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 this week I was thinking about a couple of ladies. Years ago there were a couple of ladies in our church and they, they came for, for quite a while. And then at some point, and it may have always been there, but at some point they, they started acting on this idea that, well, you know, we're, we're in the church. We're members of the church, members of the body of Christ, and we can just go wherever we want to. So they stopped coming to church, our church, and, and, and the and the in the rumor was, I mean, you know, I guess this is what I heard, that they were just kind of visiting over here and they'd visit over there and they'd go to this little church for a while and they'd go to another little church. And that was years and years ago and they're still doing that. Every now and then, about every two years, they'll show up here. And they're still in that little thing. They're just kind of bumping and bouncing around, you know, because they're just, you know, they're, they're believers. They, they, I'm in the church. The church is the body of Christ. I'm in the church. Notice this, this word says, having been in whom you also are being built together, not apart. If you're going to be included in the plan of verse 21, if you want to be a part of verse 21, if you want to be a part of what God's doing in building together, putting people together for a, for a place for God's spirit to dwell in. If you want to be a part of that, you have to be a part of that. You can't be a, not be a part of it and be a part of it at the same time. Because again, we're not being built separately. This, this idea of living in, in fellowship with Christ, but not in fellowship with his church, it's his church. The local church and the universal church, neither of those were, God's, were, were man's ideas. It wasn't man who came up with the idea of us assembling together. He calls us together. Jesus said, I will build my church. The church is Jesus's and, and he's building it the way he builds it and the apostles have more revelation. Jesus only introduced the subject, but the apostles in the epistles, they, they developed this and they show us how God is building his church. And this is how he's building it. He's building it by, by uh, uh, building us together with one another to be a dwelling place. Yes, I know, I understand if you're a Christian, and I'm just saying this, you know, just generally speaking, because you'll run into people like this, you need to know how to answer them. People will say, I'm a Christian. I'm saved. I love God. He, he loves me. I have Jesus in my heart. I have the Holy Spirit and, and he blesses me and, and we have wonderful times of prayer and, and wonderful things happen in my life. I just don't believe I need to, to, to really be involved in a local church, maybe visit one once or night or even visit every now and then. But I'm talking about not being involved. Well, all of that is, is true, but it's not all the truth. 
Yes, Christ dwells in you. Yes, you're born again. Yes, you have the Holy Spirit. Yes, he blesses you. That is true. It's just not all the truth. It's not the whole truth. God has more. And when you, and when you cut yourself off from the more, you get cut off from more. <laughs> and, you're not, and you're not really receiving the full benefit of your union with Christ because you're not united with his family. How many of you think, how many of your parents, and you have grown children, how many of you parents would appreciate it at Thanksgiving or Christmas or any other family time when all of your kids are gathering together to have one of your ch children say, you know, I don't like these family gatherings. I don't really like to get together with Susie and John, you know, my brother and sister. I, when they leave, I'll come over and visit you, Mom. I love spending time with you, Dad and Mom. We just like spending time with you. We'll go out to eat. Well, you know, well, you know Susie and John, oh, no, I don't, I don't really like to get involved in that. I just love you and I want to spend time with you. Well, what about your brother and sister? Well, you know, I just don't really care to be around them. How many of you parents would enjoy that? How many of that just warm your heart? Oh, that just warm your heart. No. You would think something is wrong with my son. And, and yes, he wants to be with me, but that, you know, that would, I know as, as a dad, that would aggravate me. If, if Steve, I only have two sons, if Steve only wanted to be around his mom and me, didn't want to have anything to do with his brother, that would put a, a strain on my relationship with Steve because something's wrong with that. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Well, it's some, there's something wrong when people want to just have a relationship with Jesus, but they don't want to have a relationship with their brothers and sisters in Jesus. Don't want, oh yeah, I, I, I recognize you and I'll shake your hand and say, God bless you, but I'm not going to get involved in, the, in a local church and put my hand to the plow and do any of the things that you guys are doing together because I'm above all of that. No, you aren't. No, you aren't. You're thinking more highly of yourself than you ought to think. You ought to think, well, didn't, didn't, didn't he say that in Romans? Turn over there, Romans 12. Is this stepping on your toes? Well, God will heal them. <laughs> Verse number three, I say to you, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you. See, if you're not, if you're not, if you're not among, if you weren't, participating in the local church at Rome and Ephesus and Colossae and Thessalonica and the churches of Galatia, if you were on your own, not you would never even have read these words in the first. You'd live in the first generation of believers and not even know the Bible because you couldn't go out and buy one. The only way you would have heard these words would be in church. <laughs> Yeah, but I love Jesus. Wonderful, he loves you. But you're not gonna find out about this. Now, yes, we do have the scriptures today, but that doesn't change the calculus. It's still the same situation. He said, I say through the grace, just bothering anybody but me. I say, explain that on tape. I say through the grace given to me, 
to everyone who is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. And as we have many members in one body, he's using the illustration of your physical body, not all the members have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. We're not on our own. You cannot live successfully for Jesus Christ in isolation of your brothers and sisters. You cannot. Why? Because God has given certain graces to you and certain blessings and certain, uh, a certain uh, a functional faith to operate in your place in the body of Christ. And you're not doing it. Because, why? Because you think of yourself more highly than you ought to. So we being many are one body in Christ individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. There are people I know who are wonderful Christians. They really are. They're wonderful Christians and God has graced them and blessed them and their gifts in their lives and they don't use them at all to further the body of Christ or the local church at least. They don't do anything to help establish the local church. So I said, yeah, but I use my gifts every week. You know, I, I minister to people and I witness to people. All of that's wonderful. But you're not pointing them to a local church. Oh, on the job, I'm always praying with people and I've led a bunch of people to the Lord, but you haven't led them to a local church. You couldn't have led them to a local church when you don't believe in it yourself. How in the world could you have a strong uh, pull and, and a strong mentoring to your new converts you need to be in a local church when you don't even love it yourself? It's impossible. It wouldn't be there. The passion for it's not there. The impartation's not going to be there. So those people are not getting, you know, they're, they're following in your footsteps if they're receiving from your anointing. Hallelujah. No, if we're going to disciple people, we have to disciple them into the local church where they can be fed unless they're just going to rely on you the rest of their life. You're going to be their apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, and, and so forth. You're going to be the one they go to. They're going to call you when they need a funeral. They're going to call you when they want to get married. And when they have a prayer request, at, you know, 10 times a day, they're going to call you if they want fellow, They want fellowship with nobody else. They've lost all their unchristian friends, and now they just want to be your friend because you led them to the Lord. So we're going to be best buddies. Can I go out to eat with you? Will you coming over to my house tomorrow? Will I... How many people are you going to disciple like that? Not many. That's supposed to belong in the church. <laughs> well, praise the Lord. It's time to put a stop to this. <laughs> Till next time. Let, can I read you this translation? This is the Williams translation of, of, of verse 21. And you yourselves, local church at Ephesus, in union with him, because Williams, this is where I learned about the in him truth. In, in, in the Williams paraphrase, he always adds these words because if you read the preface of, of his, of his uh, New Testament, he, he got a real revelation of this. And so every time in the Williams translation that he brings out uh, in Christ or in whom, he always says in, 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 in union with him. So here's what he said. He said, and you yourselves in union with him in fellowship with one another are being built up. 
I'm going to say that three more times. And you yourselves in union with him and in fellowship with one another are being built up. And you and you yourselves in union with him in fellowship with one another. In union with him in fellowship with one another are being built up. How does that happen? Happens in the local church. Doesn't happen outside the local church. Impossible can't be accomplished. Zero possibility of it. Are you getting this? Well, praise the Lord. I, I, this is not because I'm, I'm just wanting to make a, you know, ride a hobby horse, but I see these trends. There's another trend, the house church movement. Oh, yes, in the Bible days, you know, they met in houses, so we need to get away from these organized churches and move. They did not start in houses. The early church did not start in houses. It started in the Jerusalem temple. That's where the church started, and they assembled in Solomon's porch, which was the, the, uh, a long uh, 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 colonnade on the east side, I think, or the north side of, the, of Herod's temple, and that's where the church had their official meetings. They all came together in one place. They didn't start moving out into homes until persecution came and they had to go underground in a lot of respects and then they moved to other places, other areas throughout the Roman Empire and throughout Greece where they didn't have places to meet. So listen, buildings and where you meet, that's such a silly thing for people to take as a doctor. Well, they, they met in, in homes you know, in the New Testament, so we're going back to that. They also didn't have air conditioning in the New Testament. So let's go back to that too. And have indoor plumbing, get rid of the plumbing in your little home church. Open the windows and throw your screens away. You don't see how silly that is. No, the point is we, God calls his church together. Oh, glory to God. It doesn't matter whether you're meeting in a, in a thousand seat auditorium or, or a 30 seat church somewhere in a rented facility or in a home. If it's a local church that God has called together, that's the point. Well, amen. Let's stand up. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. God is good. Yes, yes, he is. Glory to God. Let's thank God for the local church. Let's thank God for the revelation, the revelation of the local church. He's, listen, church, he's building us together for a dwelling place by his spirit, glory to God. He wants to inhabit this house, not the walls, this body. He wants to inhabit with his spirit. He wants to fill us with his glory. Ooh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. He wants to fill us with his glory. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. But in order for his glory to fill the house of God, he requires some things. He requires that people come together in one accord. He requires that people come together in love. He requires that we come together in submission to one another. And that's when you, when you drill down to the bedrock, when you drill down to get everything else out of the way, drill down to the core of the matter, that's why people don't want to belong in a local church because they don't want to submit to their brothers and sisters because they can't have it their way. 
They don't want to, they don't want anybody telling them what to do. They don't want a pastor giving instruction. They just want to hear the word and hit the door. That's not what God's building together. God is building his church, building it up in fellowship with one another. He's building us up where we walk in love toward one another, where we're interested in one another, where we lay our petty uh, concerns aside for the good of somebody else. Yeah, it's, this is maybe not like I would like to have this particular thing, but, but if it's better for the church and if, it's, and if it serves more people, then let's do it a way that it'll bless everybody instead of my way. Some people can't do that or they, they won't do that. God wants us to submit to one another. Can I real quick give you a definition of submission? It's only nine pages long. This is from Bob Buse, his book, The Pendulum Swings. I've never heard a better definition. He said, the best definition of submission is kindness, humility, and respect for one another. Treating each other as you would treat Jesus. Respect the other's views. Treat each other gently with love and kindness. It's the best definition of submission I've ever seen. Because you see, if I'm truly submitted, then to, 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 to everyone else, then it's not all about me, what I want, what's best for me. I respect you. I respect what you need, what, you, what would bless you more. That's what submission is all about. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.